Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. To say today was an interesting day in the marketplace might be putting it mildly after we have this conversation during today's Fontenelle Final Bell. We got wind of the EPA numbers. We talked about them earlier in the day with Mike Zuzalo, but interesting numbers as of what this might mean for the mandates. We've got Russia, Ukraine, we've got China. There's a lot of felt outside market filters that are factoring into what we're seeing in the trade. And still, this new COVID variant, not as bad, and the market still has been reacting to it. We're going to get the details about this and a whole lot more today as Heather Ramsey joins us. She is with the ARC Group. So let's start out with this EPA numbers that came out. We were supposed to see these back in November. We know that they're supposed to come out sometime, but maybe that sometime might be today. Yeah, um, sounds like there's rumors floating around that we could see them this afternoon. Um, obviously, so yet to be seen here at this time, but what the rumors are kind of insinuating is that this could be bad for biodiesel, um, not seeing the mandate that they were looking for, essentially. Still positive or fairly unchanged for corn ethanol, but that diesel complex, biodiesel complex, had really been looking for some sort of mandate to validate increases in soy biodiesel production especially. And so if we don't see that, that looks negative for soybeans right now, especially when you look at uh, Brazil and think that in their soy complex, they're actually a better value than the U.S. right now. So having said that, uh, what is this going to kind of retail back to our our producers as they look at these grain numbers. Yeah, today alone, just off of a rumor, you know, we see the soybean complex down about 10 on the old crop. You have new crops fairly unchanged on, on new crops, soybeans anyways. Uh, I think longer term, this is more of a question of where does the demand for, I guess, the overall soy oil or oil complex, where does that go? Right now, we still got a lot of support between the palm oil, canola oil, soy oil. That market is still very supportive. And so there'll be definitely some, you know, inherent floors put in place with that trade um, just because of that support. But when you look at from a, a massive amount of growth standpoint, I think the soybean complex was really looking for a biodiesel mandate to really give us that oomph, that sort of push to say, hey, now the new norm is going to be X from a dollars per bushel standpoint on soybeans. And if we don't see that, then we're left looking for what's the next push, you know. So our, our downward slide looks a little bit bigger, potentially, if there's no supporting biodiesel added into that, um, into that soy complex. Does that make you nervous? Um, <laughs> that's a great question. I don't know if in the near term it makes me very nervous. I think from a long-term standpoint, it definitely makes you put more importance on doing better forward planning when we're given opportunities and given good numbers because they don't have that likelihood of them sticking around as long as maybe we thought um, based on not having a biodiesel mandate. Now, we could be totally wrong, right? They could still come out and announce something. Um, but even if it's not kind of as aggressive as what we we're looking for, that definitely kind of lowers that high-end ceiling levels that we were sort of hearing getting tossed around the market. And I don't know that it lowers the bottom end any at this point in time, but it definitely leans toward being able to slide back towards towards those lows we had seen in the last six to nine months or so. Um, 
yeah, I don't know that it puts new lows in, but it definitely, it definitely gives us more opportunity to slide if we don't have that big increased demand we were looking for. We've got a lot of issues going on, a lot of eyes watching what's happening globally, and we kind of talked about it a little bit at the beginning with what's going on with Russia and Ukraine, and then we're going to throw China into this whole mixture. It makes for a pretty interesting trifecta. Yeah, there's just there's just a lot of political tension going on right now that it's sort of taken a backseat to some of this, you know, some of the COVID stuff that we've been trading um, and the demand stuff we've been trading. But when you have political action um, or what I should say, um, a, a political sanctioning against China and their Olympics, right? Like we're, we're not going to send any diplomats there. Um, and then you have this, also this discussion going on today between our president Putin and, or excuse me, Russia's between Biden and Putin uh, right now, that conversation around Ukraine and who's building up troops and who's not, and why are we doing that? And you know, this this isn't um, this isn't a friendly borders type of situation. You know, we just had the sanctions against Crimea when President Obama was um, in office, and how that negatively affected the livestock industry. There's really not much left that could happen to Russia that wouldn't be a negative impact on our markets here, specifically ag related. That then you also have China watching in the background to see how we're behaving, how the U.S. is behaving with Russia as well so it's kind of a like it is just all sort of one big circle of who's talking to who and who's doing what and you know how is the you know leading democracy in the world interacting with these two countries um so that i think is definitely getting watched um at this point any new sanctions that the u.s would put on to russia most likely affect raw commodities negatively and that does include ag and livestock well, you know, you look at uh, what's been happening in, the, in this wheat market, and I know that there has been a lot of talks and ties back to, to how this crop is growing. And then you look at the Ukraine, and we know that China has been looking to purchase some cheaper corn for the, from them. It's just an interesting mix that's coming together and how it's affecting our producers here. Yeah, and when you look at, so in the world, wheat being like the largest production, right, between Russia and the Ukraine, those two, you know, not getting along and, you know, um, you know, sort of tossing negatives at each other. Those are the two largest exporters of wheat in the world. And so to have tension over there really does put a big risk onto that side of the market, onto the wheat market. And we've seen that in in pricing between a short crop and political tensions. Well, stick around, folks. We've got a lot more coming up as we continue. It's the final final bell on the Rural Radio Network.com. At Fontenelle Hybrids, our dealers make the difference in the products we sell. Here's Fontenelle dealer Kevin Callwhite from Humphrey, Nebraska. We've had wonderful success. We do a lot of field trials, side-by-sides, and test plots to help fine-tune products for our customers' specific needs. I have peace of mind knowing that next year's products will be selected and tested by someone that knows our farms and knows our area, and that's Fontenelle. For more, visit Fontenelle.com. Always read and follow grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. We're continuing our conversation with Heather Ramsey. She is with the ARC Group. And we were talking really about the global effects that we're seeing on this trade. But I know that we had a producer that was also concerned about the fact that we're not seeing a lot of buys coming from China right now. Knowing that year end is coming around the corner, do you think there might be a flood of purchases so we can stay in that phase one compliance? 
you know, that's a really hard one to make a prediction on, obviously, for two reasons. A, it's China, and I don't know anyone who's ever been really good at outguessing them. <laughs> um, B, I think there's just so much um, additional risk on the table to every player in the market right now with all the outside influences and outside variables we have going on between trade and political tension and COVID and, I mean, just, just everything right now that. Do I think there's probably a big glut of purchases from um, China coming? I don't know that I would say I'm expecting anything big. Um, they could make a couple of small purchases that would get them really, really close to that agreement. And um, and I don't know if people would think, oh, well, that's good enough. You know, I just I'm not sure how that would be received by both the U.S. and you know China on their fulfillment. Um, I do think that. Purchase-wise, it has been very lacking, um, especially when you compare it to last year. And obviously, that's our first year of comparison here. And so a lot of people have been doing that, comparing it to, oh, where were we last year at this point in time? And I think what I've been trying to caution people with is to get so optimistic that we do nothing on our end as, you know, risk management advisors is kind of, is kind of scary. Um, especially when you start thinking about where were we at this time last year. We had these massive you know, anomalies and reports and in purchases and all of these things happening um, since, la you know, August of 2020 and then September of 2020 and then November of 2020 and then leading into the new year. So we've ha we had all those huge things happening and we haven't had any real large mimicking occurrences this, this, this fall so far. Um, and so it feels a little bit different. It feels like if there wasn't a final performance you know, completion or whatever, it doesn't feel like the reaction would be as massively large as maybe what we saw at the beginning of that um, last year. It also feels a little bit different from the standpoint that we're sitting at elevated prices compared to this exact same time last year. Um, I, I just looked that up last Thursday even, um, had a bunch of clients asking, you know, where are we at year over year in, in the comparison? And the reality is we have not been above $5 futures on that new crop board. So I'm looking at these 22 as an example. We haven't been above $5 futures and planning for the next year um, since 2013. So it's been a long time. We weren't even there last year. We couldn't, at this point in time last year, we couldn't go sell these 21 corn for anything above $5 futures yet. We weren't, we were not there by a long shot. And so looking at that from my position, being in risk management and trying to take care of farmers, you know, we have to keep cognizant of that. Even though there is, you know, potential for purchases to come and things like that, we sort of have to, you know, weigh out the risk of what's what's more important. Do we wait and try to guess outguess China, which nobody is really good at, um, or do we sit over here and know we're in the 550 mark on, you know, these 22 corn and in the 1230 mark on, on no 22 soybeans? Do we know that and try to figure out how to get, put together some, like, base protection and planning? And so it's been a really weird environment the last couple months, seeing really, really good numbers, knowing that our first thought is to compare this to last year and it's sort of frazzled volatility and not seeing that and then how do we make good decisions about it as you know risk managers so 
I know that was a little bit of a wordy answer to that question, but it's just so hard to try and predict anything in this market anymore. Um, we could come in tomorrow and something not even on our radar today will be the driving factor. And so, it, 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 like I said, it's just been really hard to try and peg where things are going. We sort of have this range we've been trading in. I think that's one nice thing about sort of having a quieting of the market over the last two to three months is we've been given a pretty solid range. It's going to take something drastic and big to really bump us above it and below it at this point, which is a little bit of a comfort. It would give us a little reaction time as the farmer, um, at least is, is kind of my opinion anyways. What about weather in South America? It's been talked mm-hmm. about here this last week or so that dryness was going to happen in December. We're seeing this even after talks of some possible bumper crop numbers. Yeah, so... I do think that there probably is a real issue with weather in primarily the southern parts of Brazil and Argentina is what I've been reading. Um, one of the things about Brazil as a whole is I think when we when people read, oh, the southern parts of Brazil are, are struggling with dryness, for some reason it's like they think, oh, that's like the southern part of the U.S. struggling with dryness, and it's, it's pretty limited amounts. It is, but it isn't. So what's the best way for folks to get a hold of you? Yeah, they can check us out online at agrisconsulting.net or feel free to give us a a call in the Lincoln office and we'll get a broker available. It's 402-484-7474. We're more than happy to talk to anyone at any time. All right, that is today's Fontenelle Final Bell being brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all your local dealers right here on the Rural Radio Network.